Indeed, I am comfortably reclined and relaxed in repose on a comfortable couch. I've got a tumbler glass of red wine. Drinking it from a tumbler, because it's a little less easy to spill than a wine glass, though I'll likely manage away. I found some Vancouver writers, and I got some new ice skates. And this, from the North Shore, is Postcards from Gravelly Beach, number 15. Gordon Cavanale, Hotels Are Better. I've got the pictures spread across the bed. There's an album and a stack of loose photos. Most of the photos I've seen before, but the album is a new find. Bruce dug it up out of the big blue trunk she always kept locked when she could still remember where the key was. Like it's always been at that page, it flips open to on its own, dead in the middle. The pages are black and thick as cardboard, and they breathe a vague, musty scent, half perfume and half mothballs. The tiny pictures are slotted into tiny triangular holders glued onto the pages, and the month and the year of each photo is printed on the white borders. She stands on one page in various pose shots, her dress new, her dark shoes heavy, and her hat trimmed with flowers. She smiles from a neat lawn next to a small bed of flowers beside a street sign that reads, Granville and Dunsmere. She squints at the camera. In the same dress and shoes, she sits on a bench with her hands folded in her lap and her feet crossed at the ankles. Hat off for now and her black hair pinned into a tight little bun. No 40s queen, but a dumpy young woman already showing the first lines of the bulging pear shape she'd carry for most of her life. One picture is a group shot. She's with some girls I recognize from other photos, roommates, friends from the sugar refinery, my aunt among them. They're at the beach and they're all laughing and wearing swimming suits except for her. She's still fully dressed and deadly serious now, as though so much sunny exuberance were only a reminder that a life of sun and laughter would never be for her. That's why the men on the facing page surprised me. But the dates say 1946 and for a minute I picture the sailors pouring from the docks up to Hastings streets and from there west into the town center, war-chilled flesh aching for those who kept the home fires burning. One young sailor sits next to her on a couch, biting at her ear. Quote, Jim Marshall and me on a drunk. Quote, she's written in white on the black paper beneath the photo. Quote, yours truly and Johnny Roscoe, says another. On a street that looks like Granville, Johnny Roscoe's walking beside her in civvies, and they both seem surprised by the camera. Eddie Dodd's got his arm around her in front of the Alcazar Hotel, and she's standing beside Corporal Cliff Olofsson in front of the aristocratic cafe at Broadway and Granville. Stuck in the lower left corner of this page is one more photo. A crumpled private slouches against a street lamp, his khaki uniform baggy and his cloth hat low on his forehead. She's written his full name beneath, as though she might have forgotten it as easily as Eddie Dodd's. It's the same as my name. Who? She says when I ask her about Jim Marshall. I repeat the name. Where's that? In Vancouver, after the war. In the dimly lit room, she's a heavy lump beneath a single flannel sheet that's pulled up tight beneath her chin. She stares straight up at the ceiling. 
That one. I remember that one. Hans Brinker or The Silver Skates Chapter 3 The Silver Skates Dame Brinker earned a scanty support for her family by raising vegetables, spinning, and knitting. Once she had worked on board the barges plying up and down the canal, and had occasionally been harnessed with other women to the towing rope of a pachschut plying between Brook and Amsterdam. But when Hans had grown strong and large, he had insisted upon doing all such drudgery in her place. Besides, her husband had become so very helpless of late that he required her constant care. Although not having as much intelligence as a little child, he was yet strong of arm and very hardy, and Dame Brinker had sometimes great trouble in controlling him. Ah, children, he was so good and steady, she would sometimes say, and as wise as a lawyer. Even as the burgomaster would stop by to ask him a question, and now, alack, he doesn't even know his wife and the little ones. You remember the father, Hans, when he was with was himself a great brave man, don't you? Yes, indeed, mother. He knew everything and could do anything under the sun. And how he could sing. Why, you used to laugh and say it was enough to set the windmills dancing. So I did, bless me, how the boy remembers. Gretel, child, take that knitting needle from their father quick. He'll get it in his eye, maybe, and put the shoe on him. His poor feet are like ice half the time, but I can't keep him covered. All I can do. <sighs> and then, half wailing, half humming, Dame Brinker would sit down and fill the low cottage with the whir of her spinning wheel. Nearly all of the outdoor work, as well as the household labor, was performed by Hans and Gretel. At certain seasons of the year, the children went out day after day to gather peat, which they would stow away in square brick-like pieces for fuel. At other times, when homework permitted, Hans rode the towing horses on the canals, earning a few stivers a day. Stivers about two cents of, of money. And Gretel tended geese for the neighboring farmers. Hans was clever at carving in wood, and both he and Gretel were good gardeners. Gretel could sing and sew and run on, run on great high homemade stilts better than any girl for miles around. She could learn a ballad in five minutes and find in a season any weed or flower you could name. But she dreaded books, and often the very sight of the figuring board in the old schoolhouse would set her eyes swimming. Hans, on the contrary, was slow and steady. The harder the task, whether in study or daily labor, the better he liked it. Boys who sneered at him out of school on account of his patched clothes and scant leather breeches were forced to yield him the post of honor in nearly every class. It was not long before he was the only youngster in the school who had not stood at least once in the corner of horrors where hung the dreaded whip and over it this motto, Lirie joy lugergate gut engetu zaldilieren. Learn, learn, you idler, or this rope's end shall teach you. Skipping ahead just a little bit here. Up and down the canal, within the space of a half mile they skated, exerting their racing powers to the utmost. Often the swiftest among them was seen to dodge from under the very nose of some pompous lawgiver or doctor, who, with folded arms, was skating leisurely toward the town. Or a chain of girls would suddenly break at the approach of a fat old burgermeister, who, with gold-headed cane, poison air, was puffing his way to Amsterdam. 
equipped in skates wonderful to behold from their d- superb strappings and dazzling runners curving over the instep and topped with gilt balls. He would open his fat eye a little bit as if one of the maidens chanced to drop him a curtsy, but would not dare to bow in return for fear of losing his balance. Not only pleasure seekers and stately men of note were upon the canal, there were work people with weary eyes hastening to their shops and factories, market women with loads upon their heads, peddlers bending with their packs, bargemen with shaggy hair and bleared faces jostling roughly on their way, kind-eyed clergymen speeding perhaps to the bedsides of the dying, and, after a while, groups of children with satchels slung over their shoulders whizzing past towards a distant school. One and all wore skates, excepting, indeed, a muffled-up farmer whose queer cart bumped along on the margin of the canal. Before long, our merry boys and girls were almost lost in the confusion of bright colors, the ceaseless motion, and the gleaming of the skates flashing back in the sunlight. We might have known no more of them had not the whole party suddenly came to a standstill, and, grouping themselves out of the way of the passers-by, all talked at once to the pretty little maiden whom had drawn from the tide of people flowing toward the town. "'Oh, Katarinka!' they cried in a breath. "'Have you heard of it, the race? "'We want you to join!' "'What race?' asked Katarinka, laughing. "'Don't all talk at once, please. "'I can't understand.' Everyone panted and looked at Reichel Korbes, who was their acknowledged spokesman. "'Spokeswoman, sorry.' "'Why?' said Reichel.' Right, right, she? We, we are to have a grand skating match on the 20th. On Mevrau van Gleck's birthday. It's all Hilda's work. They're going to give a splendid prize to the best skater. Yes, chimed in a half dozen voices. A beautiful pair of silver skates, perfectly magnificent, with those such straps and silver bells and buckles. Who said they had bells? Put in the small voice of the boy with the big name. I say, Master Voost, replied Rickley. So they have. Well, no, I'm sure they haven't. No, how can you say it? So it's it's an error. And Meinhard van Corbus told my mother they had bells, came from sundry of the excited group. But Meinhard Voster Walberg, Schimmerle Penenick, essayed to settle the matter with a decisive, well, you don't, you don't any of you know a single thing about it. They haven't a sign of a bell on them. They, oh, oh, said the chorus of conflicting opinions, broke forth again. The girls pair to have bells, interposed Hilda quietly, but there's to be another pair for the boys, with an arrow engraved upon the sides. There, I told you so, cried nearly all the youngsters in a breath. Katharinka looked at them with bewildered eyes. Who is to try, she asked. All of us, answered Raichi. It will be such fun, and you must too, Katharinka. But it's school time now. We'll talk it all over at noon. Oh, you will join, of course. Katrinka, without replying, made a graceful pirouette and laughing out a coquettish. Don't you hear the last bell? Catch me, darted off towards the schoolhouse, standing half a mile away on the canal. All started pell-mell at this challenge, but they tried in vain to catch the bright-eyed laughing creature, who, with golden hair streaming in the sunlight, cast back many a sparkling glance of triumph as she floated onward. Beautiful Katarinka, flushed with youth and health, all life and mirth and motion. What wonder thine image, ever floated in advance, sped through one boy's dreams last night. What wonder that it seemed his darkest hour, when, years afterward, thy presence floated away from him forever.
But hey, there's someone else I'm going to read here, and he's a Canadian now, but uh, was from Bulgaria. John Barta, Budapest, 1949. It's a parade. Banners, tremors, gaping brass mouths catch the sun, tubas and trumpets think their lines, pregnant cheeks give birth to sound. Uptight bayonets pulse to the goose step. A baritone dragon in dazzling boots moves to the slap of rifle butts. We are its children. We are the clowns. Our legs swing twice as high as theirs. Our faces fists of pride. A soldier smiles. How old are you? Ten, we lie. Do your moms know where you are? What they don't know doesn't hurt them. Still he smiles, his face a brick in the moving wall. We touch his belt and join the army. Our mouths muster eager teeth. He bends sideways. Don't be a soldier. The khaki wall swallows him. Of course, while reading that, I had a revelation that Budapest, of course, isn't in Bulgaria, it's in Hungary. Part of my exceptions, John Barta. And indeed, Hans Brinker or the Silver Skates is by Mary Mapes Dodge. And I was excited to read that because I went out yesterday and bought myself a little treat. Some custom-fitted uh, ice hockey skates that you put them on and lace them down and they stick your feet in like an oven squeezer thing and you sit there and watch the hockey game for 15 minutes and then you come out and the skates feel like slippers. Kind of like that anyway. I'm going to go try them out tomorrow. I'll let you know how it goes. Hoboken, across the field. Couches don't burn well. It might have just been that it was wet. Old cars are usually already burned out, but if there's still a bit of gummy oil in the crankcase, you can sometimes coax something to burn. Alan was lighting paper matches and throwing them into the stuffing of an overturned seat. It was still fairly dry, in an industrial way, as dry as you'd think it would get from being outside. It's not a particularly wet or rainy place, it just doesn't seem like anything would ever get dry. The ground was sloppy, spongy, muddy, but that's to be expected in October, on account that it happens every other October. Alan, let's go back to the city. I'm quite sure he heard me. I sat on the couch and got wet again. Vivian, darling, let's go back to the city, he said as a suggestion. We spent more than I'd do on rent for a cab ride all the way back to the city, and spent the rest on strychnine blotter paper. He said, old cars get to field the same way you could sit in the park all day and not see anyone. But some parks, you can see children lining up to use a seesaw. I didn't know what it meant, and I hadn't asked him the question. Oh, very well then. That was me wrapping it up there. We started with Gordon Kevinale, a Vancouver writer, Hotels Are Better, from Event, a journal put on by Douglas College from New Westminster, just south of Vancouver. There's also John Barta from that same thing. In between those was Hans Brinker, or the Silver Skates, Mary Mapes Dodge, and me, Dave Olson, on postcards from Gravelly Beach, number 15, from the North Shore. I'm going to take you out with one more of my own. Today's today, woke up slow like three tries at a finger snap. Cotton mouth and bleary, the world is in sideways ways, and I look... And I'm somewhere green and smiles. 
from this, but if I could dance like a fiddle or a mandolin, shout from ditches, crests of hills, and bedposts, release, spring and spring away. Tomorrow or yesterday would be forgotten, like the first five years, gone. What the ages mean to me. My picture dream left on, and I can't remember which train. Rocks and trees and dirt and smiles and hiding and lies. Let me come over and share your ambitions.